Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 263 is from the pool, I was going to say the cesspool, but that would be really rude, of oh. Kane and Rince contributors. <laughs> it's Darren Gargett. And if there was a cesspool, it would just be me in it. So, oh, you know, it's fine. But no, I, I like an empty no. pool, whether it's dirty or not. <laughs> Swimming in there with the battle toads. Next week, we'll all be swimming in there. <laughs> yeah. Or this week, whenever this comes out. Uh, yeah, this will be out on uh, Wednesday, the 19th of August. Oh, we'll be one day away from battle all toads being well. revitalization. Yes. If I- you're listening contemporaneously to this podcast, it is almost battle toads day. Oh. But we have no battle toads music for you. However, we do have a little bit of rare music. Hmm as you'd hope and expect. But we've also got, uh, well, we've already heard one, but we've got four more picks from Darren and a few from the community as well. As always, a lovely selection of video games music. We've opened with a recent one and we've already played, I think, one or two tracks from this game because by all accounts, the soundtrack is pretty special. And, uh, oh, sorry, I'm actually thinking of, I'm already thinking ahead to um, Paper Mario (laughs) <laughs> but we're actually we've actually played a track from Ring Fit Adventure, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah. Forget everything I just said. Um but yes, uh as you'd expect, this is also a Nintendo in-house product from Nintendo EPD. Do we know who Yeah, I don't know what EPD is. These there's so no. many different names for Nintendo yeah. houses and development studios. Who knows? But yes, I'm interested in Ring Fit Adventure because uh well it's done extremely well. Mm-hmm. But rather than, uh, I'm finding sort of Nintendo's strategy interesting at the moment because they very much started making adverts again that look enormously like the ones they had in the mid 2000s yeah. with the the sort of the older demographic playing, you know, uh, the senior people playing brain training type games. Mm-hmm. But now it's 51 worldwide games. And, they had brain uh, training this year, didn't they, at the start of the year? And brain training, mm. yeah, good point. A few things like that. But also for the sort of the more lifestyle gaming, 
rather than the slightly it was quite sort of austere but it did incredibly well the sort of the we fit thing with the mm. balance board this is switch get fit with nintendo but it's ring fit adventure and it's more gamified right than the previous oh, yeah. in, in, in attempts and your is it is this now a regular part of your your fitness routine well the tracks that i've chosen for this here episode basically revolves around me staying indoors a lot like we all have been doing a lot lately and um yep. you know it's, it's been such a, a, a weird dodgy year and i thought yes. i'd just pick tracks for games that me and ivy have enjoyed together from being indoors and ring Very adventure nice. was one of them and whatever i was doing with the ring and the the leg strap and all this ivy was next to me middle of march just <laughs> getting fit and it was I've was she copying a, your moves? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And she was like dictating, <laughs> I want to do the knee to chest. And we we're both on the floor doing like knee to chest moves. And and she really liked me doing this really hard one, which involved like uh, press-ups, but like really on your elbows and planking and all this. And she's like, do it again. I'm like, oh, it's killing me. <laughs> the game everyone is... I've, everyone I've, uh, I know who's played this includes Leah and James from the podcast and my friend Pete have told me that it's it's not messing around. It's the game is a fitness game. It is proper. It will kill. It will. It will kill. You know. It will do you in. It will make you out of breath. And you know, if you yep. you can adjust it, right? You can go too hard or too easy, and hopefully you find a middle ground. But even the yes. middle ground for me, I found to be a workout. And um, and uh, even like as we always stress, uh, difficulty is a subjective thing in all mm -hmm. kinds of games. But yeah. when there's one that actually involves physical mobility and stuff, it's it's all you've got to find the right level for yourself. Absolutely, you know, and um, I've stopped playing it now because, you know, we can now go outdoors a bit more and I've been yeah. running 10 miles every Sunday for the last few uh, five well weeks done, now. So. Yeah, I'm doing so. But it has helped me maintain a level of fitness, Yeah, you know, even for a couple of months. And then I started doing outdoors running, which I do prefer because I used to do treadmilling and it's just tedious. Not to say that Ring Fit is tedious. I think it's a really interesting idea and probably the yeah. best fitness game I've tried because... You know, it's like it's like if Killer Seven wasn't so crazy, and because you, you're on a track, right? You're on a you're on a single track, and the faster you run in your house, you just go forward on a line, and it it does remind me of Killer Seven because you know you've got mm. that kind of one option of just going. You can go backwards in Killer Seven, but ultimately you're going forwards on a single line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is through luscious forest and kind of. Yeah, there's deers bouncing mm. around, and it's just, it reminds <laughs> me of Nintendo's newer aesthetic, which is kind of Splatoon, kind of ARMS, that kind of new yep. kind of crossbreed between the Wii and, you know, the the not Wii, basically, because the Wii's got its very own specific kind of vibe going for it. Like you say, the adverts are very clearly aimed at a certain, you know, demographic, and I find that Ring Fit, ARMS, and Splatoon have all, have kind of crossed this kind of... um. They're a this bit funkier, ground. aren't they? They're a mm. bit more kind of... And I, all of those remind me of old Sega, like 2000 mm. Dreamcast era Sega. Uh, and that's a that's a compliment. But mm. there's a there's a pizzazz to them, whereas that, that previous era of Nintendo stuff was just almost trying too hard to be soft and friendly, whereas they've injected a bit more, I think, just verve and pizzazz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, the, the game has got Breath of the Wild style you know, visuals, aesthetic, it's all kind of light and breezy and it's pastel colours and it's just, uh, it's lush to look at. And that that does, you know, motivate you to get through the level because you want to see what happens. Mm. Halfway through, you might get in a boat and you have to start paddling with your arms and the ring is really, it's used in, in very interesting ways. Like there's never a moment where you think this is just a redundant piece of, 
durable plastic in your hands. No, it, like right. they will make you use it properly and depending on if you're guarding against the... Because the battle system is like Pokemon in that you take turns or other JRPGs, right? You do your thing, you do, you do your exercises, and then the minions on the screen do their thing. Well, you what, take a breather. Or well, do you have no, to defend? You have to, you have to squeeze the ring against your abs to guard, and you have like the, oh, like the harder you squeeze it, the bigger the shield appears on the screen. If you don't have any abs like me, what? <laughs> Flabs. Flabs. Flab guard. You know, yeah, it's called an ab guard. <laughs> so you have to push as hard as you can. And, you know, there's not a, you know, it's very Nintendo in that it goes, you know, t- take a minute or two to have a glass of water. And like the, the, the actual ring is telling <laughs> you to do things that is wise because at some point we were, well, I was out of breath and I was just rolling around. Dehydrated, just, yeah, crying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and what are you actually fighting against? Mon- just monsters? Mm, or? I, I don't like, just like blobs with legs. And sometimes I was fighting <laughs> a, a yoga mat that was sentient. Dragon Quest. And, what's the word? Sentinel? Sentient? Sentient. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of... um. Just like blobs from a forest with eyeballs on them. I don't okay. really know what Fair they're enough. called. Slimes. Yeah. Um, kind of like so that. yeah. So in this, in particular, uh, you you chose normal battle mm. uh, from the game's many pieces, and is that just the one that you heard the most? Is that like the yeah. is, like a battle tune in a JRPG? Is that the one that you spend a lot of time working out to? Yeah, absolutely. And but the game does a fantastic job of doing variations on a theme. Um, so if you're yeah. fighting a boss and it gets a bit rhythmic, which it, obviously it can do. They they mm. change it up nicely, and you know you're fighting this big, grey, dark grey Drago is called, and his poses and flexes and stuff are just comedy gold. Like you think this game's quite serious, and then you bump into this guy. You know, it's serious for a fitness game. You know, it's kind of like yeah, yeah do yeah. some workout, and then he's there flexing his muscles, just doing all these kind of very camp kind of poses in front of you. Like yeah, come on, do you want some? And like just doing all this, you know, all the, like the wrestling poses and all that. It's just um. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and you know it, it does sell out within a blink of an eye. But if you can get hold of one, yeah, I was going to say, what's how's it, how much is it supposed to cost? Uh, it's quite a bit, isn't it? Sixty nine, ninety nine. Yeah, because I'm looking right now, and it's currently a hundred and eight pound on Amazon. Yeah, so I mean, that's yeah, I, that's not on. I was lucky enough to borrow it from uh, Nick Suiters. People might know him off the forum. And, suits, uh, yeah, old suits, and uh, yeah, I've I've still got it, and you know, <laughs> with the it's covered in your bacteria and coronavirus. That's well it. done, oh, yeah. He's never getting it back. <laughs> Covid's <laughs> all over the place. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the uh, the soundtrack is by a number of people in usual fashion. We don't know who's responsible for which track, but uh, some of the musicians are Shinji Ushiroda, Masamiyoshi, Shiho Fuji, Asuka, Ayazaki, Fumihiro Sobe as well. Um, yes, from Nintendo's in-house studios. Maybe some of it's out- outsourced and freelance. Don't mm. know. But um, yes, so it seems to come recommended from everyone if you need a, a motivator and you can get hold of a copy. That gamification is a is a real uh, hook, mm. isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, and it's very long. But, you know, it seems to go oh, on right. for ages. And maybe that's because yeah. you only play it in half an hour chunks. So it takes, it seems longer. True. But the game yeah. does seem, in terms of actual length, like there's... um. There's a wealth of content, and they updated it with some like rhythm action stuff. It's kind of basic, but you are dancing around your living room to Zelda music and all sorts. So. Yeah, I should probably get it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's decent. It really is. Right. Next up, we have a request from the community. This is one from Shadowless Kick, who says, The soundtrack to the original Killer Instinct is a cheesy fun time, but Riptor's theme is great, even divorced from nostalgia. The impactful drums and abrasive synth give a sense of weight and intensity, while the flute adds a touch of the exotic. The secondary percussion makes me think of scales, the reptilian kind, 
and of thrashing leaves, like a predator dashing through a thicket on its way to a kill. A perfect sonic representation of the character and a badass bomb of a track that smashes you over the head and ends before it's wear before it wears out its welcome. Hmm. Riptor's theme from the original Killer Instinct, originally an arcade game, then sort of found its way. Actually, was Killer Instinct, or there was the SNES version of Killer Instinct. Mm -hmm. Was Killer Instinct Gold a version of 2, I think? Yeah, it was kind of loosely kind of improved, if you know what I mean. It was 2, but with some bells and whistles for what the N64 could could do. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I remember at the time, there was was quite a lot of hype around Killer Instinct, Mm. Uh, and I think the original coin-op did pretty well, and I think the SNES version did very well. In fact, the version we he- we will we will have listened to there by Robin Beeland and or Graham Norgate is probably the version uploaded from the Killer Cuts CD, mm-hmm. which came came in the box with the, with the <laughs> Super Nintendo version. I guess kind of uncompressed and and whatever else. Um, but obviously, there was the reboot in. 20 whatever 13 that was xbox one launch area yeah Mm. and uh and that that has a lot of fans and respect you can play the entire kit and caboodle of that the ultimate edition if you have game pass now uh and a lot of those original tracks were remixed and reworked by some great artists i think like people like mick gordon and people like that are on duty in that one yeah i'm not 100 sure but it would make sense because of an up and coming yeah. documentary based on Goldeneye, Mick Gordon's in there, so I'm sure he's a ah, fan. And there's some, right. you know, affiliation. 
But this track definitely sounds more like a Norgate track because I listened to it. And I was okay, like, that sounds like a Goldeneye track, or it sounds like yep. a blast core kind of. It's because there's a gruffness to the um mm-hmm. to the sounds, and yeah, it definitely feels more aggressive than a B man track. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. The sort of uh, there's something about the name Beanland, which makes it. It <laughs> sounds like he comes from a, a magical, a cartoony platformer, right? Yeah. Uh, so, as a, a big rare fan, famously, of course, and uh, and one time employee of there. Now, you're not like a massive fighting game guy, are you? Not you've, at all. You've you played quite a bit of Smash, which is the kind yeah. of the alternate to the to the traditional standard type hundreds type of, fighting of hours game. of Smash, yeah. Is Killer Instinct a sort of, is, is that a bit of a hole in your Rare catalogue in terms of being an expert? But you had to play some of it on Rare Replay, presumably. Yeah, you know, you just played enough of it to get the um, the five stamps and then I turned it off. Um, it, yeah. Killer Instinct, you know, as much as a Rare fan I am, I remember playing it around Kip's house, um, Will, my long friend, long time friend in, yeah. now in Sweden. And uh, he went, yeah, ch- come check out Killer Instinct Gold, because he was a big N64 guy. He got me into, you know, like really into Goldeneye. And he goes, oh, come here, come here. And then he did like, basically like the ultimate combo like where you <laughs> yes just you don't get buttons. to do anything and jago yeah. killed me in one hit and i'm like i don't <laughs> like this game <laughs> then we never played it again he was one of them guys he was like that's how i got good at golden eyes that he would just destroy me again and again and again and yeah by, and by doing that you know you get better but with- but the difference is in golden eye you still get to run around and shoot yeah, whereas right. in a fighting game if somebody's that much better than you oh, particularly was- in killer instincts yeah, you was- just don't even get to do anything do you right yeah, that's right. You know, and I appreciate the combo system. You know, it's not as hard as what it may seem. Like the game wants you to do these combos, you know, and the, the commentator gives it the old, you know, combo breaker and all that. And Very satisfying if you can do it. It is very satisfying, yeah. Um, I just don't really like it. But I, uh, yeah, so I used to play Tekken's 2 and 3 quite a bit. I've played many of the others as well, mm. but 2 and 3 were the ones that I got okay at. And... I used to be able to do a couple of the 10 hit strings that mm-hmm. the characters could do in now. Mm-hmm. And they were great, but they didn't end the game. You know, they, no, they, right. they, they would give you a massive advantage if you can pull one off, but it wasn't just like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I have now locked my opponent into a, an endlessly staggered spiral. Does the killer instinct even do the thing of, like what what happens in things like Marvel versus Capcom, where you've got these enormous combos, is that the hits take less and less damage as the combo goes on, kind of thing. They scale them down so you to stop you doing that. I think that's how it, it works. Sounds right. And you've also got your um your meter in the bottom left hand corner. So basically, what would happen round one? He'd combo me to the point where his meter was full. Round two, he'd do a certain combo, and it would just be like Jago whipped out his like you know samurai sword katana, and just just it just it was end. It was game over to the point where it was like, you know, when you get a perfect in Street Fighter, you're like, yeah, like this is. And then, but a Killer Instinct version was that was like, yeah, but if you get a, if you get a perfect, the next round you should just be able to finish him like in Mortal Kombat. That's kind yeah. of what the analogy was there. And I was like, yeah. this isn't no. Uh, I used to love Mortal Kombat. If you if you want me to answer what was my favourite series, but even that's turned more kind of technical than it used to be. Yes, and I can't get into it. So in terms of fighting games, yeah, I just I don't know. I just like to just play smash brothers because it's not really a fighting game but it is yeah and uh you'd also be more likely to be found potting around in the very non-combative world of uh, animal crossing as have many people this year mm-hmm. i believe is the stat now that it's the second highest selling video game in japan of all time 
That's Animal Crossing right. New Horizons. Yeah, I think that's the stat that came out this week. Twenty-two million units. Twenty-two plus million. Yeah. Uh, in how many months was it? Yeah. Was it March, April, May, June, July, August? Five months or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, just extraordinary for this weird little game. Started on the N sixty-four back in two thousand. Came over to the GameCube and a few people, more people heard about it and it got localized first to America. And then after another year came, came over to Europe. That was when I got uh, involved. Actually, I got the American import of the, the GameCube version. Mm-hmm. It was, and the, the original Animal Crossing, I say the original because the GameCube version is basically a pretty much a straight port of the N64 yeah. Animal Forest mm-hmm. is really weird. Like it's, it's an odd, slightly off kilter. It is cute and it is friendly and it is fun, but it was also, Quite oddball, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mr. Rossetti is the, the obvious yeah. go-to there. Do you know what I mean? And gyroids it, as well. Gyroids, and... uh, yeah. Like stuff that I miss. Like I love New Horizons. Yeah. Yes. And waking up Same. with Ivy every morning, uh, you know, going on the theme of playing games indoors. Like Animal Crossing couldn't have been better for the world, you know, in terms of timing. It was just what everyone was yeah. after. Yeah. We, you know, 6 a.m. I've chosen because Ivy gets up <laughs> at half five. I've never heard this piece until now. <laughs> Ivy gets up at half five every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so by the time we're downstairs, I've got my coffee on. This is the only track that I've really ever heard because by the time I'm done by <laughs> seven, like, sure, I go to the shops and do the bits and bobs, but 6 a.m. for me was just like oh, New Horizon personified. But yeah, the original N64 uh, GameCube game, N64 game, you know, it has its, its really kind of off kilter charm to it that I, you know, I do miss to a, a degree. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. Yeah. You know, the, the gyroids are in New Horizons as the constructors and Mr. Rossetti is in New Horizons, but he's like the um, emergency services kind of person now. Oh, yeah. So if you call yeah. the helicopter and, it, and if you end up going to like someone's island and it, it, it cuts off the connection internet wise, it will pop up on the screen saying, oh, we're sending you back to your island now. You know, communication is disrupted and he would be in the corner. So he's, he's in yeah. their game somewhere, just not yes. in the way where... You know, it's a 15-minute dialogue of you being um, berated. Punished for time travelling, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I completely agree about that. Like, I've, I, I calculate now, um, having owned all the previous games in the series, apart from the Wii one, uh, Let's Go to the City or City Folk, Yeah, I believe I have now played New Horizons for more than all the other games in the series combined mm. uh, at about 170 hours or something like that. And that's bearing in mind that I played the 3DS one newly for about 90 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm certainly getting there anyway. I am absolutely bemused by comments that I've seen about it having like not as much to do as previous games in mm. the, in the, in the, I just don't, I, I know there are some certain elements which are not there brackets yet because they may appear as updates. But in terms of the stuff that you can do, like you were never able to completely recraft, rebuild, redesign your entire island before. Mm-hmm. There was no crafting. There were no resources. There were no, I mean, the, the online stuff has just come on leaps and bounds. So there's so much more to it, I think, than the previous ones. I'm, I'm completely bemused by uh, complaints of, of lack of things to do when I've put 170 hours into it. Yeah, I I feel like part of it is because people wanted to delve in forever with this. And when it didn't meet their expectations, they were like, oh, well, in the other ones, I could do this and not in this one. You, well, no, you you know, you could do you could do that stuff. But you just in this game, you have to wait for it. Do you know what I mean, but pe- people are looking back at their whole gameplay lifespan of the 3DS one and taking that into an account when they're right. comparing it to the Switch one and going, well, I can't do that anymore. And you think, well, before you'd have to wait the year. Do you know what I mean? Before stuff would happen 
and that yeah yeah, yeah. so um and, and people were like people were like myself included because a factor in all of this is that i haven't got as much time as I ever used to for games because yes. the little one is just so demanding of you course. Know, as a four-year-old will be so i don't really play it as much as i used to but i'm not doing that kind of thing where you're like you're trying to justify yourself not playing it because oh yeah but i've stopped playing because of this and i think people are looking for reasons to dip out of it because but then they also feel like they need to commit every single hour to it because everyone was doing that yeah i've put in 100 hours in week one and you're like <laughs> but now people aren't doing that they're looking for reasons to go well they haven't put this in yet i'm going to stop right. playing so it's mm. one of those ones where it's like animal crossing in terms of a, a concept it, it asks nothing of the player in terms of commitment but people are so committed to it that when they're not they feel like they have to kind of justify it even if it means taking shots at the game do you know what i mean mm. it's, it's a strange Maybe one so. well uh Let's enjoy some of the relaxing early, I, I say early morning. I mean, it's not to everyone, but 6am is, uh, let's put it this way. I'm far more familiar with the 9, 10, 11, 12 and 1 tunes than oh. I am with this one. <laughs> I, I, miss, but, I miss waking up at 9am. <laughs> this is 6am. By the team, another big sound team at Nintendo, not the original uh, composer. I, I don't know if uh, Totoka has anything to do with New Horizons at all, other than obviously the dog that's named after him is still in there. The actual musicians credited on the game are Yasuaki Iwata, Yumi Takahashi, Shinobu Nagata, 
Sayako Doi and uh, Masato Ohashi. And I think those are, they're all different people to the, the names that I already gave you from the mm. Ring Fit game. They have a lot of, they have a lot of people. <laughs> there's a cracking video on youtube of them doing the theme tune but like yeah, the yeah. you know the big band kind of thing but yes. well, i think it's like they're all doing it from home obviously and it's just yeah yeah i love seeing stuff like that I remember they did it's it good. with mario kart 8 was it the big band all together playing the yes. mario kart music you're like oh yeah it's so good yeah they need to tour don't they when when the world's a bit bit more normal mm. they could do that now, something inspired by the world of Nintendo, if not actually from it, although you can play this game on a Switch. Uh, Gassy the Cat from Twitter says, after a Switch game was removed from the eShop for using Legend mm. of Zelda music, <laughs> maybe Sound of Play would like this one from the perfectly pitched What the Golf that shows how to borrow a tune in the right way. Also, difficult not to smile to. Dip, 
It's a me, it's called, from What the Golf, and it was by Sune Kota Colster, I hmm. think. That's Triband's What the Golf, if I've yet, which I've yet to play, but that is clearly inspired by the a cappella reading of the Koji Kondo Super Mario theme from Super Mario Sunshine. Hmm. Games out on uh, iOS and Switch and PC as well. Any What the Golf experience in your life? Yeah, I, f- I finished it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've actually played it all the way through, and the um, the Mario bit is it's just ridiculous. Like, the game is brilliant. I really enjoyed my, my time through it. And again, me and Ivy sat down and played a lot of it, and she even, you know, did a few hole-in-ones herself. But the, the moments where you you drive, and instead of the ball flying, like a giant, I don't know, random piece of craziness happens in front of you, but it was just right. Ivy was on the floor laughing, and... um. Yeah, and even like well, when the game was more relevant, she'd come in running in with her iPad, going, "Look, Daddy, what the golf is on the iPad? Look, they're showing me the advert for it because we played it last night." And you're like, "Well, that's not huh. how it works." But yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's um, yeah, she, we really enjoyed that, and um, it's one of those ones that didn't outstay its welcome, and it constantly stayed fresh. Um, but the, what um, genre would you put what the golf in? I don't, uh, it's puzzle. It's, no, because the action it, puzzle. It, no, the game is quite <laughs> clear on what it wants you to do. It's like okay. if Wario were involved was just mainly based around golf. If you know what I mean. So okay, you've got like a hub area, and you have to put, you know, like putt putt from top down, put the ball into the hole, and it opens up a level. And it'd be just like you know, just drive to the end. But instead of a hole in the floor, it'd be the number one. So and then it's hard to explain. It's one of those games. It's it's based around golf, but it's not. Golf yeah. at the same time it's you know if you were to put it in a in a in a in a genre you guess you'd put i don't know a comedy <laughs> is that even a genre yeah it can be yeah because there's no real skill for for the most part there are a few levels that are challenging and do try to test your skills especially if you're going for the um the the variance on a theme so you've got a level and it's quite basic and then you do it again and then, then it's they twist it and then you do it again for like a crown and that's even harder. And so maybe sometimes a boss fight that wasn't even there before. But yeah, it gave me WarioWare vibes, but with, you know, a golf vibe instead of... Um, and is the piece that we've heard representative of the soundtrack as a whole or is it all over the place? So a lot, most of the soundtrack is, you know, what the golf, 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 golf. And it's just, <laughs> right. it's just constantly that. But this time it's, it's based around the Mario Brothers theme tune, uh, right? And um, yeah, it's just... If you play it for too long, it, you know the, the 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 music does start to grate on you a little bit. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay, I get it. Yeah, can imagine. But um, but it knows what it's doing, and it, you know, it, yeah, it's a smart game. Um, but yeah, like I say, the, the Mario bits, it, it did nothing amazing to make you go, whoa, this is a right, you know, um, homage to Mario. It just did enough. It didn't go too far, like like yeah. it says in the, you know, didn't just, get in trouble. Didn't yeah. get in trouble. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, um, what's the word? plagiarism but yeah it was a nice homage to the um mm. to the Sweet. plumber mm. next we have another of your selections tell us about main title theme <laughs> again like speaking of ring fit adventure for the tunes that you mainly hear again and again and again this is one that's i've been walking around work town and i just hear this and i'm like where do i remember that tune from i don't understand where this piece of music comes from and then the other day, I was like, oh, can we play Spyro again in theme with games that we've been playing for a long time? Because we game share on Xbox and you bought this ages ago. 
Yeah. And we haven't even finished one of them. We're like 60% no. through the first one, 70% through the third one, and 40% through the third game. So, you know, we're oh, chipping okay. away at all of them. Nice. I, I get to a boss fight and it's just too tedious for me to get on with. So I go to the next game, basically, is what's happening. Yeah. And for the most part, the music doesn't work for me. It's like lift music you know it's like jazzy lift yeah. music. i always thought it was an interesting choice because stuart copeland right very talented musician mm. um and obviously famously of the police and uh soundtracks and that kind of thing but i did wonder like i have no idea when he was approached to do this back in whenever the original spyro came out like 97 or whatever it was did he have any he, he's slightly from the older generation mm. uh you know he was having chart hits from the late 70s onwards did he have any interest in video games? Did he have any experience of them? By the time he was doing this, did he already have kids who are into, you know, like Super Nintendo or something? And, mm. and whether was he was he a good choice in the sense that was he or was he just trying to ape what he thought a cutesy soundtrack would make? I don't know how much affection there is for the Spyro soundtracks among the because I was never I was never a, a, a collector or a fan of the, those games, so no. I didn't really form any nostalgia for them. I assume among their fans, the music's quite well loved because even if it is a bit musicy, mm. my my hunch is because it, because of its composer, it's probably quite you know well composed music. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and the, the option for the original music is in the game, so there must be some nostalgia yeah. for it for those who played Good. the PlayStation One games. Um, I was never a fan of Spyro as a game back on the PlayStation One, so I always found it a bit lacking compared to mario 64 do you know what i mean and that's that's oh, a yeah, shame because sure. you know i shouldn't really be doing that but when you've got mario 64 yeah and you've got spyro the dragon i'm like yeah I prefer that that's one how i felt about pretty much all playstation platformers i didn't want like, to say that but yeah you're right like i'm afraid you know it, it, it isn't really fair loads of people loads of kids particularly and young mm. young adults mm-hmm. as well were having a great time with crash bandicoot and spyro and all that stuff and they definitely got some you know, the and as 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 the world moved on and PS2 got Ratchet and Clank and Jack and mm, Daxter, they, they were definitely coming closer to what those of us who'd kind of started with Banjo Kazooie and Super Mario 64 were were getting from it. But at the time, it was the the wobbly, warpy polygons mm. and the terrible draw distance and the digital controls and all that yeah, stuff yeah, made yeah. it all feel like a, a a backward step. I felt so. I play. I remember playing a demo of Spyro and I did pick up the originals on the for the to play on the Vita sometime back uh and they do have a certain charm but they also for me feel like they're lacking a magic yeah but i think if you were like a eight seven year old kid who played spyro for the first time back then and play i don't think you'd feel that way at all necessarily i oh, yeah. think it was just you know uh, uh, they, the, clearly the fact that this this reignited trilogy got made and had such care put into it and sold so many copies suggests that there was absolutely a love for the Spyro character mm. and franchise. Not not forgetting Skylanders, of course, which originally Spyro mm. fronted, and that did really well for a while as well, didn't it? Yeah, and, you know, there were several games on the PS2 that were Spyro, you know, flavoured. And yes. I remember working in the old game shops in town, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, and every time mm. you had a Spyro or a Crash Bandicoot in on the PlayStation 1 or 2, you could put the price up just by ever so slightly. And it doesn't matter what happened. You, <laughs> Gouging. It, it would always, it would sell. Like, we've got a Spyro in. How much you pay for it? Five quid. How much are you going to sell it for? Twelve ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. And then within like five minutes, it would go. And you're like, people must love it. Like, people must really, mm. really enjoy just 
bimbling around these quite sparse maps. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't want to start critiquing Spyro, but when you compare it to Banjo-Kazooie and Mario 64, the levels feel very samey. All the gems are in the on the perimeter of the map. Yeah. The missions within aren't as engaging to me. And I was just like, eh. But that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying playing it with sure. my little girl yeah. at the moment. Like, she just... She finds the little kind of the clo- the cloaked, wizardy looking guys with the eggs that go nee, 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 nee. when they do that. She is just cracking up and she runs no. around the house doing it. And you know, for that alone, I, it's, we've played it for nearly on and off for nearly two years now. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm grateful for the game share because I don't think I would have ever played it. So.
Main title theme there by Stuart Copeland from Toys for Bob's reworking of the Spyro games. Talking of PS1 platformers that sold many more times more copies than I probably felt they deserved. I believe there's a Croc <laughs> remake coming. Oh, I mean, they did Medieval, right? And that didn't do very well. No, it didn't, did it? No, no that, that was a great example of a game for which there seemed to be a ton of weird, a, a weird t- I mean, it's not weird because it doesn't, it's not hard to work it out, but it was a game that I never thought very much of to actually yeah. play. And, I, uh, and then the remake came out and there was, it was a bit like the, sh- the response to Shenmue 3, I thought, was a bit <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, yeah. Careful what you wish for. Yeah, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Spyro mm-hmm. did. Medieval probably didn't. Now we have something more contemporary from a game we recently covered on the podcast. Gingertastic01 from the forum says, I am currently stabbing, beating and shooting my way through Hotline Miami 2 for the podcast to play along with the show. I would like to request a track called Around by Modulo Geek. The track plays during some of the story sequences in between levels and is a somewhat somber and melancholy piece. With the majority of the soundtrack being banging beats, this particular tune sticks out among the gritty, disgusting world of Hotline Miami. Thank you. 
found there by Modulo Geek, June, or possibly Hoon, or Yoon, Gwilen, or Gwilen, apologies, uh, from Hotline Miami 2, Denaton and Abstractions. Yeah, well, listen to what our folks had to say about it on the Cane and Rinse podcast, all about Hotline Miami 2, a game that was much maligned and possibly misunderstood, but then uh, in the uh in in the eyes of the uh the developer um, uh, and, and i mean in the eyes of some some people thought the developer misunderstood what people liked about the first game um but then we also had a three word review which we won't have used because it goes against much of our policy which was uh, describing this as the objectively perfect sequel so um just goes to show your mileage may vary did you did you give the second one a go yeah you know the the first one was such a you know, a surprise kind of indie smash hit that, you know, you had to give the second one a go. I didn't, I didn't really like it for reasons no. that were made mainly around the gameplay. I remember being mm-hmm. on like, um, like an oil tanker of sorts and I was getting killed repeatedly off screen, which I thought flew in the face of what the original game was. I heard that a lot from, from, yeah, uh, critics of the game. I've never played yeah. the second one, but um, the being killed from off screen just sounds like a, such a, well, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's like a it's a thing that you just shouldn't do, isn't it? It's I mean, just like a design flaw. It happened in the first one, but the first levels were so tightly packed that you kind of had a feel for where people were, even okay. if they were slightly off screen. So, like you know, you'd see someone over there, so to speak, but you knew he was over there. Whereas this sure. game, it, the levels felt bigger, so like the oil tanker felt expansive and bigger. And therefore, like, it was unpredictable. It kind of reminded me of um, 1001 Spikes. You were just dying for the sake of it. Oh, right. Going from there. Like, oh, well, you know, and it wasn't as fun as Super Meat Boy because that, that game, for the most part, lays it all out in front of you and goes, well, here's your puzzle. Deal with it. And same with yeah. Hotline Miami 1. 2 mm. seemed like it needed a bit of a zoom out or something for you to yeah. see the um the field. And they go, just right, zoom it out. Yeah. Why not? Just, just zoom it out. Or, you know, just make it 3D in first person. Go on, what's your problem? No, yeah, but... Um, <laughs> Do. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. I, I I didn't like it. Unfortunately. What about the soundtrack? Um, it. I didn't really play the game long enough for it oh, to okay. stick in my head. You know, the first one, obviously, I played. Um, you know, so much of, and that is, you know, more of um, an earworm for me. Yeah. Yeah, we played tons of tracks from the first game in particular. There's so many uh, yeah. curated uh, pieces from that game that people mm-hmm. absolutely love, and it was all sounded so absolutely pristine as well. But yeah, I've listened to this and, you know, it's, it feels like it's fallen right out of Max Payne 3 or something. So, mm. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm down with this one. Yeah. Nice. Back to the more uh, chill vibe for the next one. One of your picks again, because yeah, game mm. you've been playing with your young daughter. So probably yeah. not much core for uh, death and mayhem and carnage and murder <laughs> and gore. Uh, this is the, uh, the kid's favourite. <laughs> yeah, it's still... Still a you know a powerhouse. You walk down any toy store or it's phenomenon. It's yeah. everywhere. It's, it's it, everywhere. It's unbelievable. It's been around nearly ten years now. Mm. Uh, the the original creator has happily gone off uh, to be a rich uh, nutter. <laughs> I was going to um, use the word weirdo but... uh, and weirdo. Yes, uh, with uh, problematic political views. But thankfully, Mojang have carried on uh, with Microsoft above them, mm. um, making the game ever more pretty and feature packed and uh, cross-platform play. Mm. And yeah, the, uh, the parents I know I'm not a parent myself, but 
I've I, I've got friends who are parents of kids from ages all the way, you know, down to probably four, five, all the way up to late teens. They all, they all, they uh, almost to a person, they play some Minecraft. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, so I'm playing this in the day and the night. I play it with Ivy when I feel like it, and you know we go and explore. We look at the sheep and the cows and the, you know all the bits and bobs <laughs> that. Because um, I've been playing it of an evening every now and again with Simon Sloth and Nick Suits, and it's something that we've we've been chipping away at for a kind of maybe once or twice a week for maybe eight weeks now, and we're getting to a point where it's just like, yeah, we're doing we're doing all right. We've got loads of stuff, and we're ready to just kind of enter the alternate universe called the never and or world yeah. sorry yeah so you know we're doing decent work there and but our ivy's obviously interested from a more kind of visual point of view of just like oh look the, the pig's eyes are wonky and they're all made out of like lego bricks and stuff like that and she's finding it funny from that point of view and um she did ask to play is it two player daddy and i'm like yeah but i don't know if you'd be ready for that and then she got bored and started playing with lego in the in the it's quite good i find i because i've played this with my niece who's 11 and she's been playing minecraft for a few years now mm. we played uh cross platform i played played on xbox and she played on switch and it worked and that's amazing in itself mm. uh in these times when we you know can't well haven't been able to hang out um but, but she knows her way around the ui and what everything is and does yeah. like like a you know like a a child genius um and i'm just going brooke how do i even hold <laughs> this thing in my hand and how do i use it and you know, what yeah just completely bemused and baffled by menus and and boxes of stuff and different materials and so yeah there's uh, one of those where i've i've been schooled by the child mm, yeah you know no, you'd imagine if you know, when you were when you were Brooks age, you probably had your game where you were just completely in tune with it, like on on whatever computer back in the day. Totally, you know what everything's called. Yeah, and you know how to where load it everything up, you is. Know. Yeah, yeah. So the music, right? So the the artist is known as C four one eight, a German oh. uh, man by the name of Daniel Rosenfeld. I think German. Um, I'm intrigued. Is the music? that's there now and this is this we're going to hear the track that's just called minecraft mm. uh, is it does it play over the title screen no well, or it just plays randomly or yeah the game doesn't really have like set moments for music as far as i'm aware you know it, it could have an algorithm where it's like if you do this then this piece plays mm. like when the sun rises this this could play i'm not 100 okay. sure because you're spending most of your time underground um <laughs> yeah but yeah, in terms of soundtrack, you know, it has a jukebox where you can find CDs now and you can put them in and it plays All certain right. cats by the same composer. Yes. But just generally just mooching around the world and this plays like mm. it, mu it must trigger off with something going on in the world, which I don't know, but it's just so good. And like most of the music is like this. It's more yeah. ambient, chilled and, you know, um, my music tastes lately, despite being a massive Prodigy fan, it has been mm. kind of like, I really just enjoy just chill out music at the moment, which kind of inspired the chill out sound of play, right? Because I found that Mario Paint track and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, it's the heaviest bass line I've ever heard the snares do. And then from there, the sound of play, Tom, you know, he ran with it and went, yeah, look, I've made it. And you're like, yeah, cool. You know, the Super Mario, um, the, the Mario Paint Super Nintendo track was kind of at the front. And then I was like, oh, I just really like the Minecraft music. And that's kind of the reason why I'm playing it, because it's just so... It's a good reason. Hypnotic is the word I'm going to use. Minecraft is mm. 
just if for me of eight between like the hours of eight and nine o'clock we play like one hour a night or whatever it's just a distraction hypnotizing just wallpaper that you're chatting to with your mates and uh yeah then the music is just brilliant C418's Minecraft from Minecraft. I was wondering if, did he, Daniel Rosenfeld, compose a selection of tracks for the game back in whenever the 
was it 2009 the game first became available? In alpha, right? I think it was 9 or 10, yeah. 2009, 10, yeah. And have they added music? Does he still, is he still with Mojang or is he just, did did, um, did Notch just tap him up to get those tracks created back in more than a decade ago and they've just stayed in the game? I genuinely have no idea. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't tell you either way if, you know, if C418 is as, loopy as not sure not but you know what i mean <laughs> whether they've kept him on i couldn't tell you but i do uh, like these um tracks you know and if they have got a jukebox and you can put cds in that seemingly are quite new and they are composed by the same guy then uh, i'm mm. you know i'm leaning towards the fact that he still is creating music for minecraft right maybe there's a, a 18 disc soundtrack to come out at some point i don't know our Final pick from the community for this show is from a game I know very little about, but the mm. composer is someone we featured a number of times before. However, Simon Sloth recently discovered the composer. I discovered this uh, composer, Olivier de Riviere, uh, during one of Jessica Curry's curated BBC shows and promptly fell in love. In my opinion, Get Even is a distinctly unremarkable game, which is elevated astronomically by the quality of its soundtrack. I defy anyone to listen to this and not want to play the game. I'm closely following his progress, as I believe in the future he might be presenting a BBC series of his own.
that's from the farm 51 the track is called consequences and yes i've mentioned many times on sound of play we're now on our 263rd show of which i've presented a roughly half of them the amount of times i've heard tracks from games and thought i want to play that game the the fact that this game completely passed me by in 2017 it's a bandai namco game and uh, i think it reviewed fairly yeah mediocrely and didn't get a lot of attention among peers uh it means that i think i'll just continue to uh, enjoy and <laughs> enjoy the soundtrack and check out de Rivière's other work rather than play the game on this occasion but i totally get the uh, that thing of Okay, just a piece of music making you want to yeah, play the game. I don't know. I don't know if that works quite the same with film scores. There are definitely some film scores which I really like from films that I either have very little interest in or uh, or actively dislike. But it's obviously it's a bit of a different commitment, isn't it? You hear, hear a tune from a game that lasts four minutes and then it might be that the game lasts 40 hours and just because you like that four minute piece of music does not mean you're going to enjoy the 40 hours of mediocre gameplay. Mm-hmm. Any games for you off the top of your head that you would play that you don't games that you don't love, but you love the music so much that you'll, you'll stick the game on just to bop along to music. I'm sure I have loads of these, but uh, thinking of them now is Super, a challenge. Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some good, good music shout. I like good the music shout. but the game is a bit um, yeah. you know not up to the Nintendo standards that I, I yes. expect check out our Super Mario Sunshine podcast of course we had we heard from many people for whom it's their favourite Mario game yeah, of course, there, yeah. is, there is a there is a, a, a subset of, of those people out there who are still desperate for Nintendo to remake and re-release I'm, I'm actually totally up for that because if they do a proper like director's cut remaster mm. version rather than just a, an upscale up res, they could address so many of the the problems that I think a lot of us had with that game, the camera issues, the the pointless blue coins, some of the level design. The textures that were just copy and pasted for the whole of the level. <laughs> the textures, oh. yes. They could actually make Super Mario Sunshine switch into a game that is worthy of the legacy i think whereas i don't think the existing version is really with or without nipples is the question yes indeed (laughs) sometimes now when mario is depicted topless he has nipples and sometimes he doesn't he is an ever-changing chameleon of (laughs) nipples next to have an outie belly button as well who knows (laughs) Now, before we hear your final pick which is from the game that i thought we were hearing from first because i'm gone insane uh thanks darren for coming on hey thank you very much it's been a while isn't it i think the last one was maybe yeah. over a year ago now but um yeah around about the happens. grant kirkhope jobby and uh yes yeah it's good to be back and chat some oh some nonsense really uh, thank you to also also to our community requesters you for listening and jay the editor keep those requests coming in over in the forum or via social media we do need them we want them we like them as I always say, it doesn't just have to be tunes that you love, although that is absolutely the best reason or one of the one of the great reasons to pick a tune for Sound of Play. But we are also interested in tunes that have driven you mad, annoyed you, you thought were weird uh, or had some other effect on your soul or psyche that you'd like to tell us about. Anything with a story behind it is cool. So, yeah, 
uh, I was saying at the start, this uh, I hear the soundtrack to the latest Paper Mario. We've recently mm. just finally covered, and I've finally just completed after nearly 20 years, the original N64 Paper Mario. This is the Origami King. Mm-hmm. It was announced and released in short order this year, which, uh, again, I think made a lot of people quite happy. I think the game, like I noticed the the open critic average review score is like high 70s. So it's not it's not necessarily uh, one that's completely blown everyone away. But it, I feel like almost everyone who played it had a fun time with it. Mm. And I think, again, just from basing this on what I hear, two reasons for that, two particular reasons. Like the gameplay is solid and, and sound, but it's the humour and the music mm. that, make this game a winner for for many yourself included yeah i finished it maybe a week ago week and a half ago now you know pretty much after we did the paper mario podcast i said i'm right at the end of origami king and you know i i had this kind of just fever just to get it you know oh yeah come on let's power through and you know i spent every kind of minute with ivy just playing it and again it's another one of these games that we've played together and she loves to pieces and it's it's because of the humor and the scenarios that you're put in it's just so, and unfortunately, the adverts do give a lot away. I watched an advert the other day on YouTube, oh, really? and it was like, "Oh, but if I, you know, I'm glad I hadn't seen that happen before mm. I got there, because even though they're not allowed to to, to kind of deform and deface the characters now, they yeah. do they do a lot with what they've got." And mm. I'm just smiling now. And when I was playing it without Ivy being there, I recorded it on my Switch and go, oh, "Ivy, you've got to see this," and it would be Mario, Paper Mario, doing something that involves music and very funny very very funny and that was it it's it's her new favorite game like she comes in oh daddy i've just seen paper mario and remember when this happened and 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 Hmm. now we're playing with lego mario and she's making up her own paper mario stories to go along with that and mario's just rocketed up in in the household is like it's up there with barbies and disney princess now like princess peach is in there with the Barbies and the Disney yeah. princesses, Aurora and that, like she is just one of the girls now. And um, my niece is peach obsessed. She's yeah. uh, what six years older than seven years older than Ivy, and yet she is still yeah seven years older, and she is still obsessed with the character. Mm. Uh, she's the whole Mushroom Kingdom, and yeah, she she got uh, Origami King and completed it in short order. But yeah, the 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 love for Princess Peach, who I've always thought was the kind of the most boring vanilla uh pinky princess character <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh but children particularly little girls do seem to absolutely adore her yeah absolutely and uh the music in this is mm. just it's sometimes it's like it's too good for the game like it, you listen to it and you're <laughs> like this doesn't suit the game like it's it's so right. like well produced for a game about little paper people running around like it sounds amazing like, i couldn't believe some of the tracks i was like this doesn't belong in a paper mario game but you know fair point like you know, that sounds harsh of me but like it doesn't at times you could have put it over a film or something like more realistic is what i'm trying to say a pixar doesn't, or something yeah, like that yeah something something of more grander scale because when you look at paper right. mario it's little paper cutouts running around a 3d world and true the music is just ridiculous and i, I, I there's there's a lot of tracks in this that i could have pulled from but when I found this one, and again, like even the name kind of gives away something that you know you end up finding. Uh, I, I stepped into this place and I was just like, this is amazing. This needs to be on a future chill out sound of play. Because when I found this, I was just like, right, I need to find out what this is, who made it, <laughs> because it's just mm. it just took me off my feet. And 
you know, it is the high point for this soundtrack, which is already like filled with just, you know, gangbusters yeah, um, pieces of music. It was amazing. Amazing. Like Nintendo's just seemingly pulled it out of the bag for, um, with another kind of classic soundtrack. And I will be listening to this one again and again and again. Is it another uh, sort of real musicians yeah. feature one rather than mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. yeah synth MIDI type stuff? Sure sounds like it. If you listen to some of the tracks, right. like running around Toe Town, you're just like, this This doesn't sound like you should be just bimbling around a cartoon paper world. Do you know what I mean? Like the music's just, it's, it's like because the, the game's funny, the game also knows that the music can be outrageous and outlandish at the same time. You know, and even when the game pulls at your heartstrings, because it does, yeah, um, yeah. the music fits alongside it. And uh, yeah, I, I really like Paper Mario Origami King. It was my, it's my favourite of the three adventure types. You know, you've got your RPG types, yep. you've got Super Paper Mario, which, which kind of fits in the middle somewhere, and then you've yeah. got the three afterwards. This seems to be, for me, my favourite of the three, which, you know, considering I hate Sticker Star, <laughs> which, you know, yeah. that's, that's a strong word to use, but I hate that game. Wow. And I, I liked Colour Splash even though it had an is- its issues. This, for me, was definitely like, yep, they seem to have understood what makes the newer type of Paper Mario games fun. And, uh, yeah, I really liked it. But he hates Sticker Star. I j- honestly, if we get to that podcast, I've got some <laughs> stuff to say about Sticker Star that you don't normally hear me say. <laughs> Excellent. Hmm. Uh, also, Paper Mario seems to have uh, this one, Origami King, has some delightful water effects. I noticed on a, a little bit of video I saw. Well, they kind of trick you because when you fight a thing that's based around water, mm. it cuts it. What it seems like it cuts into FMV, but with gameplay visuals. And when it needs to do excellent water tricks, it's CG water. Wow. They, they blend. I'm guessing here, but mm. the, the way it cuts between gameplay and CG using gameplay footage. Huh. is very very smart and i don't think the switch could do that kind of water right because okay. when, when it plays a video of a water thing exploding and mm. the water flows everywhere then it comes back to the actual game the water doesn't do that. <sighs> so they've used clever fmv um in not obvious ways if you know what i mean so like, it Crafty. looks it looks exactly the same as the game you were just playing but it's a video and there's some smooth water or f- f- um Oh, I started then. Fire, flame, effects. Ingenious. Very smart. Very mm. smart. Anyway, let's close this sound of play with some fantastic Diamond Island music from Paper Mario the Origami King. And we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. Yeah. 